Well, good morning. morning. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Hey, it's good to be here. If you guys don't know who I am, first of all, I want to come, I want to meet you, so come and say hi. But I am Charlie. I'm super excited for what God has in store for us here in Avon Lake in the the days, weeks, and years ahead. I'm excited about what God's going to do as we chase after Jesus together. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm fired up. If I yell and spit, I apologize, but I'm fired up. I'm excited to be here and uh, see what God has in store. So a little bit about me. And uh, the best part about, about being here today is you get to hear about me whether you want to or not. So sit, sit back and, and enjoy. I, I grew up showing pigs in the fair. And uh, I would raise these pigs and, uh, and we would sh- I would show them in the county fair. Here's the thing about me, though. I am the oldest in my family. And so... Naturally, as the oldest, I was the first person to ever show pigs in my family. And that means that I was the guinea pig. And so I can remember the first summer, I picked out, I didn't know what it meant to pick out a good pig. I picked out a pig and, and I, I spent time raising this pig all summer. I was super excited for what was going to happen when I got to the fair. And so I fed it. I, I thought I knew what I was doing. My dad and I were trying to figure it out because he, he was more of a, a sheep guy. He didn't really show pigs. So I was, I was trying to, you know, he didn't really know. And so we were trying to figure it out together. And so we, were, we would work really hard. And, and I remember getting excited for the day we showed up at the fair. And we, and we loaded the pig up in the back of our truck and we drove out to the Lorraine County Fair. And I remember getting in line, waiting to weigh my pig in and looking around at the other pigs and going, oh boy. <laughs> Ah, uh, here we go. <laughs> See, my pig, it, was, it weighed, it, was, it had good weight, but apparently the judges don't want to see like a tall, scrawny looking pig, because that's what mine looked like compared to these other ones. Mine was like real tall and bony looking, and it was just, and like now that I look back, I'm like, man, that was a terrible pig, but I was excited. So I, I didn't know what it meant to grow a pig. I showed up, and I was, I was so excited, and I started looking around, and I was just outclassed. Needless to say, I did not win any awards. I did not win any prizes. My showmanship was terrible. The pig went crazy. It was, it was a fail all around. And then I got to the auction and I had the lowest, I got the lowest price out of anyone in the fair. And that record stood for as long as I remember, five years after <laughs> the lowest price. Everyone else, I mean, they're getting all this money and I got like cents from, per pound. And, and uh, it's kind of a funny story when I look back at that, that poor pig. I mean, I'm sure it tasted good, you know, made good bacon stuff, but I look back at that, and I, I didn't know what it meant to grow a pig, right? And I, and I learned from that experience what it meant to grow or, or raise a pig. And so the next year was better, and then all my siblings watched all my mistakes, and so they got all the awards and got all the big dollars and all that kind of stuff naturally as the oldest. Uh, I'm kind of like the snowplow, you know, preparing the way for my siblings. All the oldest, you understand. So anyways, but growth is important. And I learned that the hard way with a pig. And, and I, when I think about any kind of farming or, or any kind of, of maybe gardening or things like that, it, we understand that growth and knowing how to grow something is important. And the same is true for our spiritual walk. Same is true for our life. Now, I'm not calling you pigs. I, I, <laughs> let's get out of the way. At least not all of you. I'm just kidding. So um, growth is important. And how we grow is important. It's important to understand the blueprint for growth. And so we're going to look at scripture today, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But I want to open up a little bit about myself. As I, think, as I was wrestling with this, I was thinking about growth. I just wanted to start with being vulnerable. Why not, right? First sermon, I might as well open my heart. 
honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys, I've just come out of a pretty dry season in my life spiritually. And I don't, I, I could blame it on a lot of things. You know, we have a, a five-month-old baby, uh, so lots of sleep was lost over the past number of months. Um, we just moved from Indiana to Ohio. Um, there's a, been a lot of sickness and surgeries with my kids and family. Just a lot of things that have been thrown at me. In the midst of that, I feel like I've lost some of my personal time with God. I've kind of lost some of that, that real fire in my heart, and, and there was a real dry season that, I've, I've, that the Lord's been bringing me out of, even in the past couple of months. But, I, but, I, but for about a year, it was just like, man, I just feel like it was a grind. Like, I loved the Lord, I was serving him, but, on my, but, but I feel like the well was running dry in my personal walk. And then we go through seasons like that, and that's the season I was in. And it's important when we think about growing, you know, God has called you to be more than who you are today, right? We're growing in sanctification, we're becoming more than who we are. I think it's important for us to think about and be honest with ourselves, where are you? Like, where are you in your own personal walk? Maybe... Maybe you're a young parent. And so when you think about your own personal growth, you, you don't even know who you are anymore, especially young moms. You, know, you kind of feel like you've almost lost yourself and your own identity. And so to think about you growing in a special way spiritually is kind of overwhelming, right? You, you, you feel that, that tension. You feel overwhelmed. You feel pulled. Maybe you're a young professional. You've just gained a lot of um, status and success in your workplace. You're making a lot of money. And that's kind of been where your focus is. And it's not, there's not really been time for God and church has been less of a priority. You're not really excited because you're really excited about what you're doing at work, right? You're fired up about that, but you've kind of lost who you are spiritually. Maybe you're a, a parents of a family, of a big family, and you're doing your best to, to lead these kids and, and your family in a God-honoring way, but you don't really know what to do. You feel like sometimes your tires are spinning and you're trying to figure it all out and you're in the midst of, of just the everyday and, and you don't know how to measure or how to gauge how you're doing. You're just trying your best. Or maybe you are a, a single uh, and, and, you, and you're trying to figure out what it looks like to, to be a single person in the body of Christ and, and how you fit in that. And, and, and you, don't, you, you desire a spouse, but, but you're, you're feeling that tension and you're trying to find your place and you're, you're kind of caught in this, this growth rut. You see, we, we all land somewhere in uh, the midst of all of these examples. Maybe you're a new believer. This is a big one. Maybe you're a new believer and you're trying to learn all this God talk. You're trying to figure out what it actually means to be a Christian. But you're kind of overwhelmed by it all, right? You're, you're caught in the midst of that. And as we think about growth, again, it's important to figure out what's your story. Where are you if you're being honest with your heart? And, and, and as we are talking about discipling the next generation, let's talk a little bit about parents. And let's think about the, the next generation or those that we are pouring into, those we have influence over. Maybe you have adult children. And, and you feel some guilt because they're far from God. Maybe these are adult children and you, and you just desire to spark something in them. And so you're trying to figure out the, the gauge of how do I help them grow because I don't see growth in them and I don't really like the choices they're making. And, and you feel that tension in your heart and you're watching your kids make mistakes and you, and you just feel guilt and you feel a heaviness surrounding your kids. Maybe you're a parent of young children. You don't sleep much. You're doing the best you can to parent them. Maybe you're a boss. Let's think about influence 
Uh, Disciple next generation, that's more than just parenting. Maybe you're a boss and you see all these people under you and you want to figure out how to develop a leadership development program and you want to pour into these people that you're leading and you have no idea where to start and you're try- you're, your wheels are turning. You're trying to be a good supervisor or leader or, or boss and you're trying to pour into them. And maybe you're a grandparent and you're trying to figure out how to parent adult kids who have kids, how to not get in the way, right? How to be a good grandparent but not a good parent to the kids, but you're trying to help your kids and it gets messy. But it's fun, right? It's good. We all land somewhere. And it's important for you to be honest with yourself. Where are you in your story? We all know that growth is important. We all understand that. And growing in wisdom. And, and we're in the midst of this, this discipling the next generation. But how do we do it? How do we promote growth? How do we... How do we work through this in our own lives? Well, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> we're going to look today. We're going to look at a passage. We're going to continue in Luke. We're going to look at a passage that I think is, is super eye-opening. And as I worked through this verse and as I worked through this passage, it was super eye-opening to me as we answer that. So we're going to be in Luke 2. You can turn there. Luke 2. We're going to be in verse 40 and verse 52. So you can kind of put your fingers in both places. A little bit of background. Obviously, you guys know the Christmas story. So Jesus is born, and now he's living uh, in a poor family. He has a mother and a father, Joseph and Mary, and they're doing the best they can to follow the customs and, and raise their kid in, in a God-honoring way. And so he, they named him after a number of days, and they took him to be dedicated to the temple, and they're doing all they can to, to really uh, do right by this, by this kid who God has entrusted them with. And so here we are, we, we enter into this, th- these, these two verses. So if you, when you have it, go ahead and stand with me, and we're going to read um, the Word of God together. So you can go ahead and stand, and we're going to read here. We'll start with verse 40. It says this, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then in verse 52 it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God, and man. There we go. So, you guys can have a seat. That's it. That's it's short verse. We're going to dig in. Um, it's kind of fun when you have a short verse. There's a lot you can learn. Here's the thing about Jesus. This is fascinating to think about. This verse and, and verse 40, they're very similar in what they say. This literally summarizes 30 years of Jesus' life. Think about that. It, like, if you were to think about Jesus and his whole ministry, Everything we read about in the Gospels primarily about Jesus is during his ministry. This is 30 years that he lived summarized in one verse. And then I got thinking, this is crazy because I'm, I'm a young gun. I'm 30. So if I were to think about how would I write a verse to summarize my life, I mean, it's just crazy to think about how everything that Jesus did his entire life up to the point he was 30 is summarized right here. So we're going to dig in. We're going to take a look. We're going to see what God has to say. So this is an interesting thing to think about, this idea here that Jesus grew. And I don't know how much you, you understand about Jesus, if maybe you're new to understanding who he is, or maybe you've known Jesus a long time, but we understand this, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so if Jesus is fully God, how can God grow? In fact, how can God go in wisdom? In fact, in the Bible, it says that Jesus himself is wisdom. Like, he represents the wisdom of God. He is wisdom. How can God, the creator, Jesus is the creator, literally says that he, in Colossians, it says that he created. Through him, all things were created. In, first John, or in John 1, it says that he was there before all things. How can God himself grow? 
How can he grow in wisdom? And this idea of grow, it's a continuation. The, the verb there is continuation. Like, he continued to grow his entire earthly life. How can God grow? And, and as I was wrestling with this, it was, you know, at first it was, it was something I was, man, how do I reconcile this truth? How do, how do I fit this together as we work through this important scripture? How can God grow? Well, let's see what we can learn. Let's dive in. Let's take a look. And there's an important doctrine I want us to look at, and, and it's this. Jesus was able to grow because he willingly gave up his divine privileges. And then even though Jesus was fully God, he chose to limit himself for the sake of of his mission. So, Jesus was able to grow because he willingly gave up his divine privileges. He set aside who he was in heaven, his status, his privileges. He set that aside to come down to humble himself, to limit himself, to become a man. It is a powerful doctrine, and it's important for us to understand as we think about this idea of growth and how Jesus grew. Even though he is fully God, he chose to limit himself for the sake of the mission. Here's the best part. He chose to limit himself for the sake of you and the sake of me. I, honestly, I was brought to tears this week as I was studying and being reminded of the fact that, that not only did Jesus come and die, he literally gave up. He gave up his privileges to limit himself to become a human. It's a powerful, powerful truth. This, this verse, it, it, this is the verse that really um, encapsulates it well. Philippians 2, 6 through 7. It says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So this idea here in verse 7, rather he made himself nothing. That's, some translations say he gave up his divine privileges. Others say he emptied himself. The idea is that he literally set aside his position in heaven, who he, access to his power. He didn't change who he was. Let me say that. God never changes who he is. Jesus is always the almighty God, his entire ministry. We can't lose sight of that. But the focus here is on his humanity and on his willingness to limit himself, his willingness to set aside his privileges, his divine privileges, in order to be a servant, to be a human, to engage with us. He gave up his divine privilege and became a 100% human being. Jesus isn't 50-50. He isn't 50% God, 50% uh, man. He's 100% God, 100% man. How does that fit together? I have no idea. <laughs> but I have faith enough to believe it. Amen. And we can trust God's word, and we know that it's true. And there are things in God's word that our puny human minds can't grasp, and that's okay. But we can know that it's true that the creator God, the king on the throne, who is in heaven, came down and willingly gave up who he was, his position, gave up his privileges in order to become 100% human. He was just a regular guy at times. And here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about this. The Holy Spirit came on Jesus during his baptism. So Jesus is baptized and he receives the Holy Spirit. And at that time, the Holy Spirit then controlled who, Jesus. Just like when we receive the Holy Spirit, now we have God in us leading and guiding us. And there were times when Jesus had more access to his power. 
right? He, he parts or he, he calms the seas. He tells the seas and the winds to calm down or he knows people's names before he even talks to them. He has all this power and knowledge. He heals people, all these amazing things. And then there's other times when he's limited where he says, I have no idea when the day of the Lord will come. You know, only my father knows. And I'm just doing what my father says and he seems very limited. He, maybe he grows hungry and, and he seems like he's very human. And sometimes it's hard for us to kind of figure out how does that fit together? How, 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 is that, how, is, how are both true that he's fully God and, and fully man, and yet sometimes he has access to his power and sometimes he doesn't? It's because the Holy Spirit began to control and lead Jesus. There's lots of great examples of how the Spirit controlled Christ's access to his own divine nature. Here are some examples. In Luke 10, 21, it says that he was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3, 34, he speaks the words of God given by the Spirit. In Luke 4, 1, he was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. In Luke 4, 14a, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. That's Christ quoting. That's his quote. And then Acts 10, 38, anointed. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. It's pretty cool when you start looking at all the verses, the fact that the Holy Spirit began to guide Jesus. And in a sense, he was kind of in control of, of Christ's access to his divine nature. Again, how humbling is that? That Jesus was willing to give up and, and allow the Spirit to control and guide him for our sake. Again, this is the, this is the God that created with his mouth. And he's being limited to being guided by the Spirit and, and limiting himself to become a human. And he's experiencing growth along the way as the Spirit guides him. He was surrendered to the Spirit. Sometimes he was limited. Sometimes he had full access. And let's take a look at Luke 2.52 again. Again, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So let's, all, let's unpack this idea of growing. Let's unpack this idea of how Jesus grew. Because, I, I, again, I think when we watch, when we look at Christ's life, it's going to begin to come to the surface of how maybe he modeled what it looks like to have a, a life of growth for us. As he limited himself, as he was controlled by the Holy Spirit, as he lived a life surrendered to God, what does it look like for growth? So let's, let's unpack this again. Let's take a look. He grew because he was human. Again, it's a continuation. Like I said, this verb, is, it means that it is continuation. His life was marked by growth. Christ's life was marked by growth. He grew in wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. There's a lot of ways Christ grew in wisdom. One of the coolest is actually in the section right before verse 52, which we're going to get to in a, in a, in a couple weeks. But Jesus goes to the temple to meet with the leaders, and, and his family can't find him. And you guys know the story. They're, they're running everywhere, looking all over for him, and they get frustrated, and they find him talking to the religious leaders in the temple. And what is he doing? He's literally sitting, and it says he's listening, and he's asking questions, and he's learning. Again, Jesus is sitting and learning from these religious leaders. He's asking questions. He's dialoguing with them. He's being a learner. He's growing in wisdom. He also grew by learning the trades of his father. 
His father was a tecton or a builder, likely a stonemason, and he was learning under his, his father. And it's pretty powerful when you think about that, that he was learning the trades. He didn't know it when he was a kid. He grew into adolescence and learned the trades of his father. Christ experienced growth. It's just, it just blows my mind when I think about that, and I think about God himself growing. He grew in stature. He experienced physical growth. Jesus was born, he grew, he thirsted, he hungered, he wept, he slept, he sweated, he bled, and he died. He did a lot of things that we all do, right? He lived life as a human in the purest human sense. And then he grew in favor with God and man. As he grew, his life was, was perfect and sinless, and obviously that, that garnered favor from the Father, but also, he was well-liked by the people around him. I honestly think it wasn't until he started his ministry and the Pharisees and the religious leaders began to, to really hate on him and want to kill him. Up to that point, he was well-liked. He had favor with both God and man. And there was a constant growth pattern. Remember, the idea of growth is that it's a continuation. It was a continual, never-ending growth pattern until his death. Jesus grew he submitted to the Heavenly Father's authority. He relied on the guidance of the Spirit. And he was anchored to the wisdom of the Scriptures. He grew because he, he trusted the, the Father and came under his leadership. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And then he, he truly spent time learning and knowing God's Word. He was a student of the Word, and it helped him grow. Jesus became human to show us how to be human. It's kind of cool. This is kind of an interesting thought. Jesus was actually, in, in a sense, more purely human than we are. And here's why. We have a, something called a sin nature. And when God created us, that was never the intention. We were never supposed to carry around sin. Our minds are tainted. We are, we are limited in our minds because of our sin nature. Jesus didn't have that. And other than Adam and Eve in the garden... I believe that Jesus truly had access to being human more than we even do because we wrestle with sin. And so Jesus comes and shows us how to be human, how to live this life of growth, how to surrender to God, how we would soon receive the Holy Spirit, how to live that out. He shows it to us by how he lived. Jesus was the model. He modeled it out. He lived a life of growth. But now we got to talk about us, right? That's why we're here. we got to apply God's word. we got to learn, and we got to apply it to our lives. So if Jesus lived a life of growth, how do we do that? What does it look like for us in our life to be people who are learners and growers, who follow the model of Christ, who surrender to the Spirit and allow that to guide us in our life? How do we do it? Well, it all comes down to this. And this is going to seem like a really simple statement, and we're going to unpack it. But here, if I could give you any take-home, this is, if you look at your notes, the take-home truth. Here it is. Keep growing. Keep growing. And I, and I know what you're thinking. Come on, man. Like, that's it? Keep growing? What does that even mean? And, and it seems so simple, and, and it seems so like convoluted and, and just like, oh man, like what does that even mean? Keep growing. Well, let's unpack that idea a little bit. The idea is this, don't take your foot off 
the pedal of cultivating growth in your life. We need to keep growing, never stop cultivating growth in yourself, and never stop cultivating growth in others around you. When we face hardships in life, when we face things that we're going through, we need to understand that the idea that, that we can keep growing for every, through every situation, no matter what we face, it's an opportunity for us to grow. Think about what Christ went through. Think about the hardship, how he was hungry. Think about how he was persecuted. Think about how he didn't have a home. Think about how he eventually bled and died for us. All of these things he went through were opportunities for him to grow and be sharpened. And that was a model that he showed for us. Keep growing. No matter what you face in life, we have the opportunity to keep growing. I brought, a, I brought an illustration of something from um, my, I'm, I'm well acquainted with from my childhood. I grew up on a farm, and um, this is a garden hoe, for those that don't know. If you don't know, it's sad. I'm sorry. And uh, this is a lot of character, nice custom handle, duct tape custom handle. Um, and uh, I was well acquainted with, with this thing um, as I was a kid. And uh, I'd be sent out to hoe pumpkins. We had pumpkin, tons of pumpkin fields. And I remember the first couple times I would go out and hoe pumpkins, I didn't know there was a, bat, a wrong way to hoe. Right? I'm out there, and I'm just, I'm kind of just kind of whacking away at these, at these weeds. And I can remember my uncle coming and getting out of the truck, walking over to correct me, on my hoeing. Like, apparently, there was a wrong way to do it. And he was explaining it to me. And he's like, okay, no, you got to get down. And he's kind of explaining how I got to hack at the roots of the weeds to pull them out to clear way to cultivate the ground for these pumpkins. And, and he's kind of mapping it all out. And he's explaining it all to me. And, and, I'm, and I was like, oh, man, I guess there's a wrong way to do it. Okay, now I know. And I'm learning how to hoe. And so I'm hoeing along and, and, and figuring it all out. Not long after, not long after that my, my uncle had come and taught me, I was now the expert. So now all these new guys, I'm watching them, and I'm like, man, they don't know how to hoe, right? So then I'm like, hey, come over here. I'll show you how to hoe, and I'm teaching them how to hoe, right? I, I, I am showing them how to use the tool. And, and along the way, I remember, too, I'd go, and, and maybe it wasn't working as well, and my Uncle Dave would come and be like, hey, that thing's dull. Like, let's go sharpen it. And he'd take it into the, the shop and sh sh sharpen it on the grinder, give it back, and man, man, I'm cooking with grease. This thing's awesome. I'm just, I'm just hacking along, and, and um, my hands are getting callous, but I'm, but I'm figuring it out, and I'm learning. So my Uncle Dave came, and he taught me how to use the hoe. Right? He taught me how to do it the right way. And then I kind of perfected my craft because I was forced to. I was out there for hours in the hot sun. And then I was able then to equip those who came out with me to teach them how to hoe. And then we became this awesome hoeing force. <laughs> the same is true when you think about growth in our life. It's important to think about who are the people that we have who are pouring into us, right, that are teaching us, that are showing us the way. More is caught than taught when it comes to growth. Who are we watching? Who are we giving uh, our ears to? Who is pouring into us? How are we going to Scripture? How are we letting God to influence us as we are cultivating, see how, see how the connection? Cultivating growth in our own lives. And then how are we thinking about those that we have influence over? As we think about our children, if we think about if we're uh, bosses in a workplace, uh, the leaders we want to pour into. Maybe we have a family, we have young people that we want to see them grow. Maybe it's, it's peers that you know can do better, and you're just, man, I want to help you grow. How are we cultivating growth in their lives? As we begin to understand growth, we've got to understand it in the context of the church. 
We have to understand that it's not done in a vacuum. You can't grow by yourself. God has invited us to be part of the family, right? We're part of the family of God. And with that comes the opportunity to be poured into, but be part of the cycle, right? We're constantly being poured into, and we're constantly pouring into others. Remember what I said, Jesus never stopped growing, and so we should never stop growing. We, we will never stop growing until we fully are glorified and we reach heaven, right? That's the, going to be the max we can grow because we're going to be fully glorified. But on this side of heaven, in earth, we have to constantly be living life as growers. We have to be constantly people who are growing, who are cultivating growth in ourself and cultivating growth in those that God has entrusted our influence to. We all have influence and we all have people that we can pour into. These short verses, I'm going to put this down now because it's fun to lean on, but <laughs> these short verses are a summary of Christ's life and his continued growth model. We have to view the, that through the lens. Let's, let's apply some of these principles of how Jesus grew, how Jesus grew, I should say. So how did he grow? He submitted to the Heavenly Father's authority. Time and time again, Jesus would go and he would retreat and pray. Right before he was crucified, he said, Father, please take this cup from me. And, and apparently God, we didn't, we didn't hear what God said. Apparently God said, nah, like, sorry, man. Like, you gotta die. This is the plan, right? You're, you gotta die. And he constantly submitted to the Heavenly Father's authority. He said, man, I'm doing my Father's work. And, he, and, and everything he did went through the lens of the Father. He relied on the guidance of the Spirit. It's pretty cool that Jesus received the Holy Spirit and controlled and guided him in his life. And then right before Jesus leaves, he says, guess what, guys? There's a helper that's coming. He is going to make things great for you. He is going to bless you. It's better that I leave you because I'm sending the Spirit to live in you. One of the best ways to think about it is we have an unfair advantage in life. God's given us an advantage. He's given us the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible thing. He was anchored to the wisdom of the Scriptures. Jesus knew the Bible. He knew the law. He would teach. He was a rabbi, but he read scripture. He was a student of God's word. And so for us, think about it. Think about for us, how do we grow? Well, submit to the Father's authority. Start there. Submit to the Father's authority. God is on the throne. Whether you like it or not, we have to answer to that truth. We have a father who loves us, but he is sovereign over all, and he is the Lord on the throne. Start with that, that idea. Start there. And rely on the guidance of the Spirit. You know, we can, we can quench the Spirit in our lives. Even as Christians, there are times when we can be so far from God and, and so um, consumed with ourselves we put God, our own God on the throne, right? King me on the throne, and we begin to silence the Spirit almost in a way, and, and we haven't heard from God. I want to encourage you, think about that. Think about when was the last time you felt a clear guidance from the Holy Spirit in your life? And what does that look like for you to maybe come back to a place of, of Lord, I'm, I'm just here to listen. I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to listen to what you're going to say and, and how you're going to guide me in my life. And when we have that posture, that's when the Spirit can speak freely to us, just like he did to Christ. And then be anchored to the wisdom of the Scriptures. Be anchored to the wisdom of the Scriptures. So if growth is our posture, if we come at growth with, with, with um, understanding that every situation we face 
Things happen all around us. We experience hardship. We experience victories, right? You might have a medical bill that comes in the mail. You might have to have a surgery. That's a hardship. Keep growing. Maybe there's a, a great victory or a win or you see some amazing things. Maybe you're, you read something in scripture or you experience something in a prayer time. Use that as growth. Use that as momentum. Keep the ball rolling. Don't feel like a victim in life. We're, sometimes it stinks. There's stuff that happens to all of us that stinks, but it's an opportunity to come out with more resilience for Christ. God has given us an opportunity to be different, and our lives can look different. Remember that young mom I talked about? Maybe it starts with finding 15 minutes. Maybe it starts with finding 15 minutes to be in God's word. And you're like, if you're like, man, I, I don't know how I get 15 minutes without my kids seeing, do it in front of your kids. I think the best thing that you can ever do is model reading your Bible to your kids. If, if they always see mom and dad reading scripture in a chair in the corner and they're running around like crazy hooligans, but they see that, more is caught than taught. So, so, so that mom that's at home with the kids, find 15 minutes in the chaos to read your Bible and give yourself plenty of grace along the way. So that young professional who's super successful and trying to figure out how to navigate this, find a mentor. Find somebody in the church that can kick your butt and say, listen, here's how you can grow. I'm gonna keep you accountable in that way. Let's get together for coffee. Let's, let's keep each other accountable. Find somebody that can begin to speak into you because it's easy to get your head growing really big and get really prideful and, and conceited. Find somebody to pour into you. So that, to the mom and dad who are trying your best to chase after God and, and lead your family in that way, show yourself some grace. You're not, you're not called to raise perfect kids. You're called to love them, to point them to Jesus, and do your best along the way. Like, honestly, show yourself some grace. And, and maybe you're, um, you're that, that parent, and you're, and you're trying to, or you're that, that new believer, you're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, and, and, and how, how growth measures up and all these things. Find a peer. Find someone your age that you can, pour, that, that can, you can have a conversation with. See, there, these are all, there are all these action steps that we can take as we think about our own stories and ways that you can begin to apply these things to your life. We all have people that we can reach out to. We all have access to God's word and scripture. We all have the body of Christ that we can tap into. Think about your story. Think about how you fit. Soak your life in prayer. Pray to God. Surrender to the Spirit. Keep growing. I want to give you some, some thoughts and uh, give you some space there. So as I say things, if something sticks out, I encourage you to write it in, in the space in your notes. But we got to cultivate growth in ourself first. So some ideas, and I'm no expert, but I'm going to give you some ideas to think about ways that we can cultivate growth in ourselves. First one, I'm just going to read these. It says, make, I, make your personal time with God a priority. Read your Bible and spend time with Jesus daily. We have church devotions. I'm going to give a plug for that. We have church devotions. I want to encourage you, go on the website today if you've never done it, and subscribe. You'll get an email, and you'll get the church, um, the daily devotions. We're going to be reading together as a body of Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. But you have to start there. It's a great place to start, being in God's word and prayer. You have to pray for clear guidance from the Spirit. Confess any sin that may be pulling you away from communion. Man, start with a time of prayer, and maybe it's a, hey, Spirit, I'm going to listen right now, so please speak to me. And just be quiet. 
be still and allow the Spirit to speak. And then live a life surrendered. Jesus is willing to surrender everything for us to show us how to do that. So look at Christ's life, how he gave up everything and be willing to surrender everything to God and what he has for your life. Put King me to the side and put King Jesus on the throne of your heart. Think about how you can live a life of surrender. Let's talk about parents or those that we have influence on, those kids. So here's some ideas. Be on the lookout for ways to be a yes parent. Let me tell you this. It's important to be a parent that looks for ways to say yes. Now, I'm not saying let your kids run, have no discipline and run rampant and roughshod. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this. If you can change a no into some form of a yes, do it. It's worth it. If maybe they're asking, can I play with scissors? You're like, well, that's really, or this knife, right? No, that's dangerous. But let me, let's play something else together, right? You change the no into a yes. But if there's things that, that maybe there's a risk or something that they're going to they're gonna take, but you're like, man, this could go south, but, but, but I'm willing to take that risk to say yes. Look for ways to say yes, because I, I'll tell you this. Thinking about parents and, and stories I've heard, you don't want to be the parent whose kids, when they, your kids think of you, they think of you as someone that always said no. That's not what the legacy you want to live for your kids. Man, but they always said no. That's all they ever said. Try to be a yes parent. It's really the best way. And I try to do that as a leader as well. Sometimes I get in trouble because I say yes too much. But try to be a leader and a parent that say, says yes. Allow your kids to take risks. That's another one. Figure out maybe a safe environment that you can create that in the midst of that that they can take risks. Because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. You take risks, and that's how you grow in wisdom. That's how you grow. Uh, if, if wisdom is knowledge applied, like we talked about, we have the head knowledge, but now we got to live it out. We have to be willing to take risks. And if, they can, if kids can take risks in the home, in the safe environment that you've created, then they're going to know how to take good, healthy risks when they're adults. Look for small ways to trust your kids. Think about that. How can you choose to trust your kids? And it honestly might come back hurting you. It's a risk for you to take, honestly. But create a space where you can trust your kid. And there's a risk involved, right? They have to come through on their end. But if you can build trust in them, they'll build trust in you. Allow your home to be an incubator, a warm, safe environment for spiritual growth. And then this one's really important. Always be there, ready to welcome them back when they've gone astray. When your adult kids make mistakes and go astray, man, always be there. So when they come back, you're just there ready with open arms, right? You're, you're there ready because that's going to be a great space to cultivate growth. That's going to be a great growth moment. And if, and if you have burnt that bridge because of, of how much you've judged them or, or yelled at them or, or criticized them as adults making decisions, when they need you most, they won't come back. Be the place that they can come back to. Because if they're believers, they're going to be hounded by the hound of heaven, right? Amen? They're going to be pursued by Jesus. Be that space when they come back. And then cultivate growth in your workplace. It's very similar. Think about ways that you can be a yes leader. How can you say yes to those that you have influence over? As a leader in the church, 
How can I say yes to people who have ideas? How can I say yes? I got to think about that, right? As, as maybe you're a boss and, and you want to figure out ways to say yes, look for ways to say yes. Look for ways to empower those that are under your authority. Look for ways that you can truly come alongside them and allow them to take risks. If they need, are going to grow in wisdom in the workplace, they need to be able to take the knowledge that you've given them and apply it, right? That's wisdom. They need to be able to apply it. Give them the freedom to do that. Don't be a control freak boss. Be willing to allow them to take risks. And then this is a great, this is not my idea, but this is a great idea. Work to replace yourself. A good leader works to replace himself. Equips people below him, equips or below her, uh, raises up young people, young leaders, pours into them so that pretty soon they are doing the work and, and the job almost becomes obsolete because there's all these incredible leaders and it's this incredible reproducing reproducers. It's this powerful truth. Be that kind of a leader who's bringing in interns, who's pouring into the young person who you know has potential, but man makes all the mistakes, right? There's gonna be a lot of cleanup, a lot of mistakes along the way, but be willing to take a risk and pour into that next generation. Pour into those people you have influence on because that's going to be the difference and that's going to be sustainable and that's going to be the legacy you will leave because at the end of the day, we all end up six foot under, right? And it's important to think about the legacy of growth that we've instilled in our kids and those we have influence on before we leave because we're gone. We have a, a, just a blink of a time that we're here, blink of a moment, and we're gone. So it's important to think about that truth. Jesus willingly gave up his divine privileges and empties himself to show us how to live, to show us how to be human, to show us how to cultivate growth, to show us what it means to live for him. So, again, this idea, keep growing. Look at every situation you're faced as an opportunity to grow. Allow people to pour into you and be pouring into others. Be part of that beautiful flow of discipleship. Keep growing. And I'll tell you this. It's amazing what God can do through you, and it's even more amazing what God can do through us as the body if we're all growing and chasing after Jesus together and the beacon of light we will be and how we'll be sharpening each other and how we'll be reaching our community and how God will be glorified. That all happens just in the most beautiful way when we are truly growing the way Christ shows us how to grow. And so we're actually going to take time to have communion together here in just a few minutes. And so uh, if you are an usher, you guys can start coming forward. But here's something to think about. And, and, and this is so cool that we have communion scheduled today as I think about spiritual growth and cultivating growth in our life. It, and honestly, in a lot of ways, it starts with a heart change in our lives. It starts with our posture and listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance in our hearts. So this is for you, believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, communion, this is for you. So I want to challenge you as, as we begin to sing and as we begin to, to receive the elements, and, and I'll come up here and, and, and I'll lead us here shortly. Just take time to listen and quiet your heart, to seek the Lord and seek, well, maybe, be, maybe today you're being honest, like just where you are in the process of growth, where, where you find yourself, where maybe you see need for growth. Maybe you just need to be reminded that just keep growing, keep going, keep moving forward. God wants to grow you. He's going to use what the situation you're in right now to grow you. Maybe this is just a time to quiet yourself. But we're just going to take time. We're going to quiet ourselves before God. We're going to remember what he did for us because it's because of Jesus Christ dying and raising again.
that we have hope and we have a chance to grow and we have the Holy Spirit and we have a hope that we can live for. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your growth. Thank you so much that you are growing us. And Lord, as we follow the example that Christ set of a life of growth, of surrendering to the Spirit, coming under the leadership of the Father and being in the Scriptures, God, may we surround ourselves with people who are pushing us forward and helping us grow. May we remember that we can keep growing. And then as we want to disciple the next generation, as we want to disciple ourselves, God, may we focus on what you're doing in our lives and that the situations and the things that we're going through is for growth. God, as we take time now to have communion, to, to take the bread and the cup, to, to reflect on what you've done for us, God, may, may, it be, may it be something here today that just opens up our hearts. May we peel back the layers, God, and be open to you speaking to our hearts today. God, you love us, and we just want to give you the glory and the love you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.